Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Uh, We are in a series entitled From Hurt to Whole, and today I want to wrap up this series by talking about how to move from hurt to whole physically. Uh, I know that every person in this room has had something happen in their physical bodies where sickness or disease tried to shut down a system or, if nothing else, shut you down for that day. And we live in a world that is more mindful of hygiene and the power of medicine and all of these things and waiting for the latest vaccine and power that comes from these things. And I am so thankful for all of our doctors and nurses. And how many of you else are thankful for everyone in the medical field? Like when you see a doctor or a nurse, know that many of them are working overtime right now to just be a blessing and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I'm so thankful for that power. But I also believe in the power of Jesus and in the power of a living God to move not just on our spiritual lives, but also on our physical bodies. How many of you believe that Jesus not only wants to save your soul, but Jesus wants to heal your body? Amen? And so if you don't believe that today, that's okay. You don't have to believe like us to belong with us. But what I do ask is that no matter who you are watching online or here in person at either one of our campuses, that we take the time to open up the word of God together and to strengthen our faith on the subject of the power of God concerning our physical bodies. So on the screens, they're going to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. And your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them up with me to the book of Ephesians. And we're going to look at Ephesians chapter number 1. On the screens, Hebrews 13 and verse 8. In our Bibles, Ephesians 1 and verse number 18. Here in Hebrews 13 and verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In the Old Testament, God said, I am God and I change not. My character, my person stays the same. So this is not like a preacher saying Jesus didn't change. This is God speaking to us and, say, and saying, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the Jesus we see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is that still the same Jesus? Yes, because yes, Jesus Christ, according to Scripture, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So let me ask you this question. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, did you ever see Jesus say, you know what, I'm going to teach you a lesson, here's the flu. Uh, you know what, you are awful, here's pneumonia. Like, you never see Jesus ever put sickness on anyone to teach them a lesson, to make them holier, You only see Jesus take off sickness and disease, and when he did so, he said, and ought not this woman whom Satan hath bound all of these years be loosed from that bondage. 
We see Jesus be a healing Jesus. We see Jesus taking fevers off mother-in-laws. And how many of you know, if he wants to heal a mother-in-law, he wants to heal every one of us. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm joking. Joking. I love my mother-in-law. But in all of these things, Jesus was always extending his hand and healing flowed from him. He is a healing Jesus. Or I guess we could say he for sure was a healing Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the book of Acts. So if he was a healing Jesus then, how many of you believe he's still a healing Jesus right here, right now, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? With those things in mind, I was reading the book of Ephesians, and I've been really honestly uh, preparing a lesson series for the month of January. I can't wait for it. And some of the things that I am teaching in that series, I am meditating on now so that I'm ready to communicate it adequately. And uh, as I'm, I'm, I'm walking through these things myself, I have been practicing meditation, and I've been in the book of Ephesians, and these scriptures just came to life to me, and it forms the basis upon which I want to teach from today. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 18. Here, Paul is praying, and he prays these things for the church, and this is wonderful prayers to pray for yourself, and if you have children today, these are wonderful prayers to pray for your children. That the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened. Now notice that he's saying, not like your physical eyes, but how you see life, how you see scripture. That your eyes may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. So here Paul is saying, I'm praying for you. And when I'm praying for you, I'm praying three things. He says, here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened so that you may see these three things. If you're taking notes, so put them on the screen. Number one, that you may see what is the hope of his calling for you. How many of you know you're called by God? Amen. Uh, One of my favorite scriptures is when it's talking about John the Baptist, and it says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. I love the imagery of that, that God sent a man. How many of you know God didn't just send John? God sent you. Calling. He he says, when you're praying, I want you to pray that you see what your calling is. That before you were in your mother's womb, God saw you, and he called you to do something. I know I say this all the time, but it's the truth. Uh, God uh, never intended for us to ask ourselves or others the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? That's not a biblical question. Life is not about deciding. Life is about discovering. 
I, I can remember, well, this past week, actually, I had someone come up to me and they were talking to me about when I was 14 years old, how they were one of my camp counselors. And I went ahead and just apologized to them for however I acted when I was 14 years old. And they laughed. And, uh, and out of that, they said, I remember telling you one night after service, it's like, you are going to be a pastor. You are going to stand on that stage. And I looked at them, and I laughed out loud, they said, and said, no, I'm not. I'm going to be a businessman. And that's what I wanted to be. I, I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to be a preacher. I wanted to be a businessman. But I can remember just drawing closer to God, and through drawing closer to God, my eyes became enlightened and I saw I'm called by God to be a pastor. Now, I pastored for 18 years, and over the course of 18 years, we have had what the world would call success with buildings and growth and all those things. So I've been offered jobs. People have offered me jobs to go pastor in other states and other cities and all those other types of things. But I know that I'm not just called by God to be a pastor. I'm called by God to be here. I know the hope of my calling. And what I've seen that so many people have wrestled with is this, that they don't know what they're called for. They are simply existing rather than moving and progressing in the call that God has for them. They're, they're stagnant and not running a race. They are watching but not finishing a course because they have no mindfulness that they are called by God or understand what that calling is. And, and here's the thing, like with calling and understanding the hope of that calling, because when you're in that calling, there is a hope. When you're in that calling, there is something there. And, and I, I really feel like there are many people in here who are satisfied with what God only meant to encourage you. There are people in this room who are satisfied with only what God meant to encourage them. That they've seen some results, but those results were just simply there to encourage you to even reach for more. The hope of his calling. And so with calling, as I move towards God, the eyes of my understanding are enlightened. And now I'm not just working a job or living in a city or living in a life. I am walking in a calling. And when you're walking in a calling, there's peace. The second thing he said is, I'm praying for you that the eyes of your understanding are enlightened, where not only do you see what is the hope of your calling, but you also know the inheritance of the saints. Now, this is interesting to me, uh, is the last three weeks, I have talked to three different families who began to talk to me about their will and their inheritance, what they were going to leave to people when they left the earth, the inheritance, the relative want to know, what am I going to inherit when you die? <laughs> and so there is an inheritance for the children of God, that when Jesus died and rose again and left the earth, he left behind on this earth an inheritance for his kids. And so many people are irritated over what they didn't get from a natural parent, but have no mindfulness that their heavenly father has also left them an inheritance that is greater than what any person could ever give you. 
And he left it through us, to us through his death, burial, and resurrection. That when he left this earth, he left behind an inheritance of healing. He left behind an inheritance of walking with a comforter. He left behind an inheritance that I became poor so that you might be rich. He left behind an inheritance so that we could walk free in this life. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And Paul is saying there are so many Christians who are walking around without a mindfulness of their inheritance. It doesn't matter what someone has left behind for you. If you didn't know they didn't leave it behind, you won't contend for it. You won't reach for it. You won't go after it. But as soon as you know it's mine, that changes the game when you know it has your name on it. And healing has your name on it. Victory has your name on it. Freedom has your name on it. Why? I've been given an inheritance. And finally, he said, I want you to know the power of God that is available to us, that there is a power that comes from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4 says this. They'll put it up on the screens. In my speech and my preaching, this was Paul talking to the church at Corinth, was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. Why? Verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but your faith would be in the power of God. Uh, you remember in the Old Testament, they're like, whose God is God? Who's really God? There was like this belief in the nation that the God of Israel wasn't really God and there could be other gods or no God. And so Elijah said, I'll tell you who's God. Let the God who answers by fire be God. How many of you know if God makes fire fall from heaven, it's hard to argue with that. Like it's really hard to argue with fire falling from heaven. And their faith on that day didn't stand in what in Elijah told them about God. They saw the power of God. And here's what Paul is saying. He says that so many people in their Christian walk have a doctrine, but their doctrine is not moving them towards power. And he says, like, I could get up with enticing words of man's wisdom and be like this great orator and, you know, wear skinny jeans and, you know, have all the latest, greatest fashion and all those things and preach so well that it's like, I believe in God. They told me about God. I believe in God. My Sunday school teacher told them I believe in God. Like, this is what they taught me growing up. And my grandmother told me this. I believe in God. And he said, look, your faith cannot just be in what someone taught you about God. He said, your faith, it has to stand in the power of God. That is, I haven't just heard about God. I have seen God move. Like I have seen God touch a physical body. I have seen God perform a healing. I have seen God meet a need. I have seen God. Therefore, I believe in God, not just of what I've heard, but through the power that I have seen. Uh, at the Highland Colony campus, I preach the 830 service there, and then I drive over here for this 10 o'clock. And I saw on the second row uh, a young man by, he's young, he's 40, he's young. How many of you know 40 is young? 40 is the new 80. Like, amen, come on somebody. Uh, so out of this, I saw him sitting on the, the second row. Uh, and I immediately saw a story that he came into our church years ago when my father was preaching. And for the very first time, the first time he walked in the doors, heard a message on the power of God that Jesus was the same. And faith rose up in his heart that day, and he was a young man who came in who had Crohn's in his digestive system and just was, was shutting him down physically. 
And he walked out of that place believing in Jesus, believing in that healing power. And, and he has this testimony, like this miraculous testimony of how God healed his physical body. Come on, somebody. How many of you know Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? But sitting next to him was his daughter Lillian. Just a beautiful little girl right next to him. And I'm looking at this family, and he's able to tell his daughter, look, the reason why we're a Christian and the, the reason why we're showing up to church and the reason why we, we go through all these things, like the reason why we're watching online as a family and taking the time to do that, even in the middle of COVID, all these things, is not just because it's the right thing to do or what Southerners do or we're getting a gold star at the end of the message or any of these types of things. It's like your daddy has seen the power of a living God. Your daddy had Crohn's, and now he doesn't. Your daddy had a physical condition, but the goodness of God showed up in the land of the living, and your daddy was made whole by the power of God. This is more than just a teaching. I have seen fire fall. And for each one of our families, that should be the basis of our faith, that it is not just what a preacher said, or it's not just what this book said. It's not just what this said. It is we have seen God. We have seen God in this family. We have seen God in this business, that our faith should stand in the power of God. And so I have been on this journey, and I want it for you uh, as much as I want it for, for anything, uh, to see the power of God and for you to see it, for you to see the favor of God on your life like Joseph saw it on, on his for you to see God slay your giants like David saw God slay his. For you to walk in your promised land, a land that flows with milk and honey, like the children of Israel saw God take them to, for you to see it. And so oftentimes in America, like we have this question of like, where is the power of God? Like we hear God is filled with power. We hear Jesus is a healer. We see all of these things. We see pictures of Christianity and listen to podcasts and we have it on YouTube now and like all these types of things. But where is the power of God? And I want you to look at this scripture again, and I just want to build a theological belief where it gets in you so that you can do what they did. Because how many of you know, if we can do what they did in scripture, Jesus will do the same thing for us that he did for them because he is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's look at it again, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, notice that word, who believe, who see the power of God, those who believe in it. Who are going to, who's going to see the power of God, whoever believes in it. Why don't you just say this with me right now, wherever you're watching from at both campuses, why don't we just all come together as a church and say this, say, I believe in the power of God. Oh, come on, get a little sassy about it. Say, I believe in the power of God. Amen. Standing up over a bill, saying, no, I believe in the power of God. Standing up over a child, saying, no, I believe in the power of God. Who does the power of God flow to? Those who believe in the power. Now, what we're going to look at is two instances in the life of Jesus real quick, and I want to show you this from a theological perspective where you can see how the power of God works. So I want to ask you to go with me to the book of Mark. We're going to look at Mark chapter 5, and then we're going to look at Luke chapter 5. 
But let's look here in Mark 5 and verse number 25. And if you don't have a Bible, no worries. They'll also have it on the screens. Mark 5 and verse 25. It says here in Mark chapter 5 and verse 25 that there was a certain woman which had an issue of blood for 12 years. And she had suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had but was nothing better, but rather grew worse. Maybe you're, you're sitting here listening to this or watching this, and it's like, it's getting worse, Pastor. The bills, it's getting worse. The behavior from the child, it's getting worse. The sickness, it's getting worse. Here for this woman, she was doing everything she could do in the natural to fix it, but instead of it getting better, it was getting worse. Now, this is not written to entertain you. This is written so that you can see yourself in her. Because if you can interact with Jesus the way she interacted with Jesus, you'll find that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Watch what happened in this woman's story, verse 29, or in verse 27. And when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind. And touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And in Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Verse 31, And his disciples said unto him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you want to say, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her who had done this thing, but this woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, your faith hath made you whole. Daughter, your faith hath made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Now with that in mind in Mark 4, let's get another witness on this. Let's go over to the book of Luke, and we're going to go to Luke 5. And read another story about the power of God. Luke 5 and verse number 15. But so much the more went there a fame about Jesus, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. How many of you believe Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever? And if they were healed of their infirmities, how many of you think Jesus can heal us of our infirmities if he's the same? And he is the same. It says here in verse 16, and he withdrew himself into a wilderness and prayed, verse 17, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Question, who's them? Let's go back up and read it, verse 17. And it came to pass on a certain day that as he was teaching, there were Pharisees and the doctors of the law. Go down to the bottom of that verse. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Who's them? Pharisees and the doctors of the law. Okay, keep that in mind. Verse number 18. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man that was taken with palsy. He was a paralytic. And they sought means by which to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But they could not find any way to bring him in because it was all filled with the Pharisees and the doctors of the law. So they went upon the housetop and let him down through the, the tiling with this couch and in the midst before Jesus. They tore the roof off. 
Verse 20. And when he saw their faith, this is a little joke, some of you got it. Tear the root, forget it. And when he saw their faith, he said unto them, man, your sins are forgiven. He saw their faith. Verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who can, who can speak these blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, how many of you know God knows what you're thinking? Even right now, he answered and said unto them, why reason you in your hearts whether it's easier to say, be forgiven, or to rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon the earth to forgive sins, I say unto you, arise up from your couch and go into your own house. And immediately he rose up before them, and he took up upon where he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. They were all amazed. Filled with fear, saying, we have seen some strange things today. Their faith, no longer in what Jesus said, but they saw his power. Now here's two things, or, or four things actually, but the first two I want you to see from this story. Number one is this, I'll put it up on the screen, God's power can be present but not flowing towards you. God's power can be present. Well, doesn't God want to? Yeah. God's power can be present, but not flowing towards you. We see this in what we just read. They'll put it up on the screens next, that, that verse in Luke. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, Pharisees and doctors of law sitting by, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. We just read that. The power of the Lord was present to heal who? Pharisees and the doctors of the law. Here's my question. Did any of those Pharisees or the doctors of the law get healed in that story? No, but another question, was the power of the Lord present to heal them? Which means God wanted to heal them. Which means God wanted to heal them so bad, he filled up that room with that power to heal them. But yet, none of them got healed and it wasn't because God didn't want them to. And it wasn't because God wanted to teach them a lesson. It wasn't because God was trying to inflict them with something so they could learn later and get healed at another time. God's power was present to heal them, which means they needed healing, which means God wanted to, but yet none of them got healed. You see in the story of the woman with the issue of blood that we read, when, when Jesus gets touched and he turns around, he says, someone touched me. The disciples are like, master, <laughs> slow down. The multitudes are touching you. They all want something from you. He said, but now this was different. So everyone was touching, but only one was receiving. And there was power that was in Jesus, and everyone was wanting that power, but it only flowed to one. So just because God's power is not flowing does not mean God's power is not present. And just because God's power is not flowing does not mean that God does not want or desire his power to flow. It's not that you've sinned so bad that God doesn't love you anymore. It's not that, that you've messed up so bad that God won't heal you. God is good all the time and his power is forever present for anybody who needs it. That if he would not withhold Jesus from you, how much more freely will he give you all things? 
Number two, this is the second point that we can take from these stories. I'll put that up on the screens. Number two, when faith entered the story, that's when the miracle did. When the need entered the story, that's, we didn't see the miracle then. Uh, when the, uh, Jesus entered in the story, we didn't see the miracle then. So a lot of times we think, well, I've got Jesus in my life, I'll see a miracle. Or a lot of times we'll think, well, I have a need. And I had Jesus in my life, therefore, I'll see a miracle. It's like, no, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So how we see him in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's the way he is today. And just because Jesus is in my life and a need is in my life does not mean I will see the power of God. But do you know when they saw the power of God? When faith entered into the story. When someone made a decision to say, you know what? I believe in the power of God. And I don't care what I got to cross. I don't care who I got to press through. I don't care if I got to tear the roof off. I am getting to Jesus because he is the healer. And with that type of aggression, with that type of faith, Jesus looks at the woman and he says, daughter, your faith hath made you whole. And here's what I'm telling you. If her faith made her whole and Jesus is the same, then my faith can make me whole and your faith can make you whole. Point number three, point number three. In the story, you see them believe that Jesus was bigger than their problem, that they exalt Jesus as bigger than anything. And in our world, we see like in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse six, that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And and so many times when we're filled with anxiety and care, we are acting like we don't even have a God. We're acting like we don't even have someone who loves us. We're acting like we don't even have someone in our life who is for us. But when I'm in faith, it says, I believe that he is. And you know what I love about that? In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. Well, somebody says, well, of course, like I must believe that God is. That's not what it's talking about. How many of you know, you wouldn't be coming to somebody that you didn't believe existed. It's not saying you gotta believe he exists. It's saying you come to God like you believe he is my healer. He is my provider. He is my way maker. Jesus came to his disciples and he said, well, who do, who do people say that I am? They said, well, some say you're a good man. Others say you're a teacher. Some say you're a prophet. Does it matter what other people say about Jesus? Yes. Why does it matter what somebody says about Jesus? Because Jesus will never be to you more than you call him to be. If you call him a good teacher, that's all he'll be to you. If you call him a prophet, that's all he'll be to you. But how many of you know if you call him a savior, he will save you from the uttermost. But I don't just call Jesus a savior. I believe that he revealed himself in the book of Exodus is I am the Lord thy God which healeth you, who delivers you from your infirmities, that I am a God who is ever with you. So I call him healer. And in these stories, you see these people say, I call him healer too. I call him healer. I call him my friend's healer. I call him my healer. And when I touch the hem of his garment, this thing that I've wrestled with, this thing that's getting worse, when I come to Jesus, I believe. I shall be made whole. 
This is point number four. When you're in faith, and this is the biggest point, when you're in faith, it'll move you. When you're in faith, it'll move you. It'll move you spirit, soul, and body. And so oftentimes people think they're in faith, but they're not. They're they're trying to read all the formulas to faith, and faith is not a formula. This woman with the issue of blood, she didn't have a book on five steps to receive healing. She didn't have all of these things that would just move man back into the realm of works. Of Did I do one? Did I do two? Did I do three? She didn't have that. This man brought by four, they didn't have, have these, this teaching of seminar after seminar after seminar. But you know what they did have? Faith. They heard Jesus was a healer, and they believed to take Jesus at his word, and they gave their mind so strongly to that that it began to move their mouth. It began to move them to action, and it encouraged them to press through whatever obstacle that is in my way. I'm not leaving until we see Jesus. I'm not leaving until I touch the hem of his garment. I'm not functioning and dysfunction anymore. If I have a healer, an inheritance, a call, and there is power available to me, I want everything. Everything Jesus has for me. You know what the book of Hebrews teaches us? Go home and read it for homework. Hebrews chapter 11. You know what it teaches us? That God was not ashamed to be called their God. He said there were people who died in faith, not having received the promise. They didn't even get the miracle. But they embraced it in their heart and they saw it with their eyes and they stood up in front of everyone right before being beheaded and let the whole world know, I believe in God. But you have women in scripture like Ruth who lost everything. Husband died at a young age. Could have been depressed. No one would have blamed her. Could have forsaken God. No one would have blamed her. But she made a decision in that moment of hurt to dust herself off and say, but I believe in God. And she saw a redeemer work in her life. You have Job. We want to focus on the start of Job. And the New Testament says, consider the end of Job and see the salvation of God. And we see Job stand up in the middle of it where his wife is saying, curse God, Job. And Job gets up and says, no, 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 no. I believe in God. I believe in the power of God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for my friends. And I'm going to write a whole book that shows the whole world might wrestle with them. But at the end, I'm going to see God bless me with twice as much as I had at the start because I believe in the power of God. You see Peter say, I believe God is bigger than my failure. You see Paul write a letter to the Philippians in the middle of a prison filled with dung. Write a letter and tells him to rejoice evermore. And again, I say rejoice. And he writes and says, and I know this too shall turn through your prayer and the supply of the spirit that is coming from that prayer. I'm getting out of this prison and I'm writing a letter telling you whatever prison you're in, you can rejoice in the middle of it because we believe God. And God looks from the grand sands of heaven and says, that's my son, that's my girl. I'm not ashamed to be called his God. He's walking around like he has a father who loves him. He walks around like there is a healer who is is still for him. And at the end of the day, this is not just the people who see God move. This is the light of the world. This is a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Because faith is not about the result. Faith is about the character. To wait on God for 16 years to give you the son he promised you. And at the end, you consider not the deadness of Sarah's womb, 
or the lack of strength in your own body, but you grow strong in faith, giving glory to God, knowing I believe in God and what he told me he will surely do for me. And that man saw a miracle. And I want to encourage you, we can see miracles. We can see the power of God. We can see buildings built. We can see them paid for. We can see bodies be quickened. We can see marriages be restored. We can see life come back into the hearts of people. And eyes light up with the brightness of God. But somebody somewhere has to make a decision to believe him too. And I want you to do that. I told my wife a couple of weeks ago, I was tempted to preach on uh, the story of Ruth in this, this series, but based it off the, the story of Mara, that Mara was this, this person in, in scripture whose first name was Naomi, which meant my joy, but because of what she faced, she said, don't call me my joy anymore, call me Mara, for God has dealt bitterly with me. And she's at this place where she's just hurt. The world called it anger. God called it hurt. She's not angry with God. She's hurt in life. And out of that hurt, she's reflecting it towards God. And she says, don't call me Mara. Or don't call me Naomi, my joy anymore. Just call me Mara. I'm broken and bitter. But thank God she had a comfort in her life by the name of Ruth. And this young woman connected her life to this older woman and pulled her with her faith over into the goodness of God like those men pulled their one lame paralytic friend over into the presence of Jesus. At the end of the book of Ruth, you see Naomi sitting there. She's Naomi again. She's got her joy back. She's seen God restore her life again. And she's holding the baby who is the great granddaddy of David, who was the great, 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 great grandfather of Jesus. See, some of you think your face only about you. And God is coming and say, no, 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 no. What I want to do for you is to change generations. What I want to do for you is to alter the course of a family tree. That through you, I want to be a blessing to your family from generation to generation. That your children's children are walking in things because you made a decision to not be Mara, but to stand up and say, I think I'll be Naomi again. That I know I've gone through stuff. And I know life hasn't been perfect. And I know 2020's just been 2020. But here's what I do know God is still God Jesus is still Jesus and he's the same yesterday today and forever and if he did it once he'll do it again I believe in the power of God so come on at both locations let's stand our feet today we're going to end in song and let's just believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living all over this place don't you leave don't you exit contend for your faith contend for your family contend for your children contend for your future let's get our joy back let me pray for you father i thank you as we pray and as we worship as you just strip off a garment of heaviness and you put on us a garment of praise father we thank you in jesus name that we see the goodness of god in the land of the living That, Father, we see your power, your spirit fill us up. Father, today I know so many people all over the world are tired and hurting. And I thank you, Father, that today you fill us up with your spirit. 
so that we can stand in faith and say, I believe God and I believe it shall be even as it was told unto me. For God's promise is still yes and his plan is still on and your footing is being made sure and your path is being made straight. Where there was darkness, light is replacing it. Where there was confusion, clarity is coming. Where there was mourning, joy is filling that space. And where there was hurt, now there is coming wholeness. So Father, we stand in Jesus' name and we say, do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, we ask you, have your way in Jesus' name.